Welcome to Get Real with Richard Walter. I promised in a uh, previous podcast to talk about dialogue, so let's let's do that. Two two things about dialogue. Um, you got to remember. Uh, oh, it's the hard part of writing dialogue. The first thing is it's got to be worth hearing. It's got to be worth listening to all, all for itself. Whatever the dialogue is, whatever the line it is, it's got to, I don't know, pop and sizzle and pep and do something instead of nothing. Got to be fun just just to hear uh, uh, all for itself, all for itself. It can't just be uh, information that is uh, transmitted data. Um, uh, oh, so often, uh, over the phone. Hang on, hang hang, hang, hang on a second. What's that? Yes, oh, it's the coroner's office. Uh, according to the, uh, uh, report, uh, the, the, uh, the money expired at 4.30. Oh, he says that the money expired at 4.00. I mean, you know, it can't be that. It's, <laughs> it can't be just passing along data. It's got to be something that, um, that's worth hearing. Um, first of all, and second of all, uh, it's got to be integrated. And uh, if you've been listening to me, if you've been reading uh, any of my books, you know that what I mean by that is uh, it, it, it must palpably, measurably, identifiably move the story forward. It's got to tell you something that uh, that you don't know. Oh, how many times we see uh, characters telling one uh, uh, one another in a film something that the audience really, really knows. The characters don't really exist. Well, we make up the, the characters. There are people who really exist, and they are the living, breathing, uh, 98.6 paying customers. They're not just paying uh, uh, their money. The price of the ticket, though, that's not a small thing for them to pay. But even bigger than that, seems to me they're paying their little piece of their lives. They're giving their time, their attention, their consideration to what you've you've created. That's not a that's not a small small thing. I mean, there's more to our lives than um, than time. But first of all, that's what there is, and that's. That's the measure of it, and you're you're giving your time to this artist. Imagine how many billions of of uh, our lives, human our lives, want, uh, have have been have been given to uh, uh, creations of George Lucas, my old classmate from the USC Film School, whom I was talking about in an earlier earlier podcast. It's just astonishing to me. Never mind the billions of dollars, well earned, uh, in my view. But uh, much more amazing is how much, how many human lives, in terms of the time that it has been given to him, the billions upon billions of hours that uh, people have paid uh, attention to his 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 creation. Not a not a small thing. So um, uh, uh, you got to uh, um, you got to be moving that story forward. Something that uh, George understood from the 
from the from the beginning. Everything you see and everything you hear and everything you hear from the point of view of the writer is 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 almost everything you hear is the is the dialogue. It's got to be uh, moving the story forward, telling you something something new. The test for whether or not it was needed is so simple. You just imagine it wasn't there. If it still makes sense, uh, then you then then you didn't need it. Now. I have talked about narrative structure in general and, and cited the Aristotelian model, beginning, middle, and end, and pointed out that that model applies not just to the uh, uh, whole screenplay, where it begins and where it ends, but also parts of the screenplay, which is scenes. Scenes uh, have beginnings, points before which they need nothing, and endings, points after which they need Need nothing, and even parts of parts, parts of scenes, have beginnings, middles, and ends. For example, a line of dialogue. Uh, there's a point before which you need nothing. There's a point after which you need nothing. That's a beginning and an end. Uh, anything that starts with you know, or uh, look, or listen, or I've been thinking, or I think, or uh, or it seems to me, or uh, anything like that. No, that's before. Uh, the beginning, the, the, before the point that you need something. Just imagine that it's not there. Uh, I was once uh, writing uh, uh, political speeches for a uh, mayoral candidate, a neighbor of mine, here in Los Angeles. We love it. And I remember he showed me a speech and said, I think my record shows. I said, well, why do, why do you think your record shows that? Isn't it because it does actually show that? So why not just say, my record shows. Start at the point before which you need uh, nothing. Likewise, uh, and uh, at the point after which you need nothing. And I really mean that. And I really mean that as something that you don't really, you just don't really need Less is, less is more. Also, bear in mind always, always, always that uh, text is much less interesting than subtext. What you say is not important. It's what you mean. Consider every line of dialogue to be a joke and jokes end on the, uh, on the punchline. Uh, it's always about the text. Every joke is about the text the doctor says to his patient, I got bad news and, and worse news. Well, give me the worst news first. Well, it's cancer, um, metastatic. Uh, you don't have six weeks to live. Oh, my God. And what's the news? It's not quite as bad. as Well, you also have Alzheimer's disease. So the guy says, oh, wow. Well, at least I don't have cancer. <laughs> now, does that get a laugh? Why? What's funny about Alzheimer's? What's funny about cancer? We all know tragic stories about Loved ones and friends dealing with such issues. What's funny is the text versus the subtext, what you mean and, and what you say. I was once asked, what's what, what your favorite movie in the 70s? Uh, no, 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 no. 90s, 90s. And just because I'm a film professor and I'm expected to say something like, uh, you know, uh, some obscure French... Oh, never mind, French, a Bulgarian uh, filmic tone poem. I said, uh, Terminator 2. Uh, partly just because I wanted to uh, be interesting. 
Um, and so should you if you're writing for the screen. But the truth is, I also I do think that Terminator 2 is a really, really great movie, and there's a great example of good subtext right there in the beginning of that movie where uh, Terminator shows up. He uh, shows up naked on the lawn outside the biker bar, and he wanders inside, and there's this biker shooting pool, really tough guy. He's about uh, Arnold's size. We see Arnold gauging uh, his size from Arnold's point of view. And he steps up to the guy and he says, give me your clothes and your motorcycle. And the guy, what does the guy say to him? Does he uh, say, well, you're out of your mind, you naked Austrian, you don't have a, you, you think you can walk in here naked and, and you can take my, he doesn't say anything like that. What does he say? He says, you forgot to say please. Don't you see what I'm, what a much better line that was because it wasn't on the nose. It wasn't text. It was subtext. It's not the words that were spoken, but the words that were, uh, that were it meant. That's the way to engage readers of screenplays and viewers of movies sitting in audiences watching them unfold on theaters, uh, screens. Thanks for listening to Get Real with Richard Walter. Do please... Uh, Subscribe on um, uh, Medium and Substack. Share these episodes with pals on social media and come back and listen to uh, listen to me talk about my new upcoming novel uh, going to be released in in November. It's called Deadpan. <laughs>